every person experiences life differently. Every life is also unique and it deserves protecting from today's risks that can affect any one of us at any time. The reality is that risk is all around us and its nature is ever-changing. While we cannot predict these risks, we can protect against them, which is exactly what Discovery Life does. Join me, your host, Maya Fisher-French, as I discuss various risk factors that affect individuals and by extension their loved ones with key experts at Discovery Life. Together in this podcast series, Seeing Life Behind the Numbers, which is brought to you by Discovery, we unpack the value of risk protection products as part of your overall financial portfolio. We'll be taking a closer look at the kinds of risks we're all up against through facts and figures to understand how we can all best protect ourselves and our loved ones, both today and well into the future. When it comes to COVID-19, the impact has been extensive on many fronts, and we continue to feel the impact. Even for those who survived COVID, many struggle with the long-term physical effects. We felt it in our mental well-being, professional ability, and even financial security. But it's not all doom and gloom. We are, in one way or another, on a path to recovery. Here to chat through the extent of COVID in the short term and long term, are Discovery Life Deputy Chief Executive Gareth Freelander and Chief Medical Officer Dr. Marita van der Walt. So Gareth, in our previous podcast discussions, we spoke about the fact that claim figures don't lie. And I know, I must tell you, as a journalist, when I saw those Discovery Life's claim statistics around COVID, it was quite a shock. So maybe to start off the discussion, could you give us some idea of the impact that this has had on claims, and which really is about people's lives? Yes, Maya, and I think the statistics do bear some repeating. They were quite staggering. We released our 2021 claim statistics a couple of months ago, um, and we showed that we paid an additional six and a half billion rand to clients um, just from COVID-related claims. So that's in addition to in addition to normal claims. Um, and just to put it into context, our claims last year were 2.7 times higher than the previous year. So we saw almost a tripling in our death claims as a result of COVID. And we paid out more COVID deaths than all other causes of deaths combined uh, in 2021. So I think hopefully it gives some context. This was certainly a massive impact, a tragic year and couple of years um, and not a disease to be taken lightly. You know, and Gareth, we saw the similar figures coming out across across the board with all the insurers. So what impact has this been on the industry as a whole? Are we all going to now be paying more for our life insurance as these risks increase? Or, or do you see this pandemic as a one-off event? Maya, it's a bit of a yes and a no answer. I think we certainly don't see the future looking as bleak as the last year or two have. Uh, we certainly hope that we're not going to see anything like these 300% increases in claims. And we are confident, I guess, cautiously optimistic that we're moving into a new phase of the pandemic where it's becoming endemic. Um, but as Marita will talk to, COVID is far too infectious to just disappear. Um, it's likely to be with us for the foreseeable future. Our best estimate is that it will form an additional type of death, like you get flu deaths every year, you're going to continue to get COVID deaths every year um, and as the disease becomes endemic. And that does add to your mortality expectations. It's another type of disease or illness out there that you can die from. I think there have been other effects. There's long COVID, there's 
the fact that pandemics happen and the risk of future pandemics. So I think when you add it all together, um, we certainly are living in a space now where the cost of risk is higher than it was a couple of years ago. Um, not dramatically so, but we have seen the whole industry move um, their insurance rates up probably 5 to 10% um, when you look at the range. Um, so definitely the cost of risk has increased, um, but I'd also argue the value of risk cover has increased and you know the importance of risk cover has never been more in your face uh, than it was over the last couple of years. And now's not the time to let your guard down. We're still living in a risky environment. COVID is not gone. The other risks are still there. And, and um, you know, I think life, life insurance has never been more important. It, it was. A, it's an interesting uh, reflection that actually, because I certainly as a journalist saw more and more people starting to ask about life cover and wills and all those sorts of things. I think it really, really brought death home. Um, you know, the pandemic, we were faced with it at a, on a real, real level. But Gareth, you know, you mentioned long COVID. So I'm going to bring in uh, Dr. Marita here because, you know, this idea of long COVID, I, I'm actually not entirely sure what that defines how it's defined. Um, I, I haven't had uh, COVID, but I definitely have brain fog. So I'm not sure if that is a, perhaps I did have COVID and I don't know. But uh, Dr. Marita, can you give us some definition as to what long COVID is and you know how many people have actually been severely impacted by this? Yes, Maya. Um, there are a couple of definitions, but in layman's terms, it is ongoing symptoms after the infection of COVID. Now, it could be a very mild infection, but generally, people who have had a more severe infection, older people, people with comorbidities, and we know them very well by now, diabetes, hypertension, um, overweight, those kind of conditions, they tend to be more at risk uh, for long COVID. Younger people can have long COVID, and it's not necessarily your very severe COVIDs. Even mild COVID, even people that have not been hospitalized. But on the other hand, there is the post-ICU syndrome, where people who have been in ICU, that their muscles get very weak, and their it's called a neuropathy, where you actually have physical effects of being in ICU. So that's all part of the spectrum of long COVID. We can group them together. The one group is the fatigue and headache and so on, those kind of uh, symptoms, which are very, they are very real. And then you have the maybe psychological um, symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, brain fog, and those kind of symptoms. And then there's a small group that have ongoing organ injuries, for example, kidney injury or heart muscle injury. So those are the groups, and each of these groups needs special attention and special rehabilitation to get out of the long COVID and back to normality. I even know some of my friends that, that had COVID, um, and I hike with them, and some of them are still struggling with their lung capacity. Yeah. You know, is this something people are going to have to learn to live with, or do you think this is something that will improve over time? You know, will our bodies all heal from this? Yeah. Maya, fortunately, our bodies have an amazing capacity 
to to get better, to heal, to just get over it. And oh, it might take time. It might take time. If you are really fatigued and your muscles are weak, you can't get up and run a marathon the next day. So what you need to do is to Get yourself a biokineticist or a physiotherapist or a GP that specializes in these kind of things and go to a gradual return to exercise program. And there are many programs also available on the Internet of how how you actually just gradually with a heart rate monitor just go very low heart rates for a minimum period of time and then a little bit more and a little bit more and be patient. Don't do the crash and burn where you really, you know, you're excited, you're better now and you're motivated and you do too much and then you're very tired. So it must be with help under supervision and gradual return to exercise and that's how you overcome the fatigue. It can take time, but you will get there. I think it's actually very good advice. I think people can be sometimes frustrated that they're just yes. not where they used to be yes. and they overdo it yes. and then they get a setback. and um, well, they really, get despondent. Yeah, yes. get despondent. And that can often lead then, again, I, I suppose, to the depression and, and negativity. Although I do wonder to what extent the depression is just the world of COVID as opposed to actually physical COVID. You know? Absolutely. You know, people have had so many losses, financial losses, losses of um, – dear family members, uh, financial security. Uh, some people have lost their homes, jobs, and so on. And it was just so scary. And we didn't know when it will end and how it will end. And the uncertainty and seeing people dying. I mean, some people say they've had so many friends passing away over a short period of time. That's all really a big impact on our emotional well-being. So if you suffer from any of those kind of symptoms, again, get help. Go to a psychologist. If you need medication, go to a psychiatrist. Go to an occupational therapist that can guide you to return to work. Um, go for a multidisciplinary team where people work in a team and address all the various facets of getting better and getting back to the pre-pandemic state. And, you know, talking about this long COVID, how does insurance, you talk about going to psychologists and all this, but how does insurance come into play here? You know, I know certainly long COVID isn't part of one of your severe illness, uh, you know, uh, diagnosis. So how does one... Yeah, how does insurance play a role in assisting you? Yeah, Maya, just, uh, briefly, um, three types of insurance contracts. The one is your income replacement, where you booked off for a disease or an injury, for example, longer COVID, say you're off for two months and you're really struggling to perform your duties. And then you're booked off and depending on your contract and waiting periods, you get compensated for the loss of your income. So that is your short-term, generally short-term income income replacement kind of policies. Then you have your severe illness, which you have now mentioned. And uh, we have paid severe illness policies for COVID if there was acute kidney injury or ICU stay or those kind of things according to the terms and conditions of the contract. Now, obviously, before COVID, nobody knew what was going to happen, but there are some definitions in the severe illness product that would lead to a valid claim. And then there is your uh, capital disability, lump sum disability kind of product where it's either impaired 
impairment-based or occupation-based. Now, those are normally permanent and total um, conditions, total disabilities. And uh, according to the terms and conditions of that, you, people can compensate it. Uh, if they have like severe lung impairment or severe kidney impairment, that is just not getting better. Hopefully, if that will be a very small percentage of, of your, your insured population. And talking about percentages, Gareth, maybe I can bring you in here. You spoke at the beginning of the podcast around um, the death claims. Have you got a sense of how many, um, you know, perhaps via illness, income protection claims were paid out as a result of COVID? Certainly, we, we did see quite a big increase, Maya. I think 64 million was paid out in the income protection space. We saw about a 20 odd percent increase in severe illness claims over the period as well, uh, many of which was was due to COVID. So while the biggest impact was probably on the mortality side during the period under under report, um, certainly uh, we did see it across the board, across the benefits. And I think even more so now as it kind of moves into a less severe phase of the of the pandemic, uh, you're going to see fewer, hopefully, um, of the, the claims coming under the mortality side. And a lot more of them will start being um, under the under the benefit side, severe illness, disability, income protection. So that's definitely something we're seeing. And then the other stat that I, I think I'll circle back to you were talking about the the mental um, kind of impact um, of of COVID, and we definitely did see that sadly come through in our statistics, where our suicide stats were up. Dramatically, um, we've seen about a 25% increase over the last four years relative to the four-year period before that. So that's been a trend that's been happening for a while and certainly something that we are focusing heavily on. Um, hopefully, we can avoid all of these um, in the future. And back to Marita's point about seeking medical assistance um, in these in these scenarios. Do you think that COVID has changed people's attitudes towards the importance of looking after their health? And I think the point that Gareth made, uh, Dr. Marita, earlier that these pandemics, I think we're suddenly aware of these new diseases that are coming out and actually the importance of looking after our body. Do you think that's that people are getting that message? I think so, Maya. It was so scary when we were in the midst of the pandemic and uh, you realised that bad lifestyle choices were so important, even when there's now an infection, a viral infection, that people who were overweight and hypertensive and all the lifestyle factors were at such a high risk. Um, vitality, of course, did a lot to keep people active with uh, virtual exercise programs and people People who had uh, the watches and, and, and heart rate monitors, they were motivated to keep on going, even if they ran around their house in the strict lockdown. So the value of exercise and looking after your health was more important than ever before, although this was an infection. So I think going forward, people are more aware of looking after your health and doing your checks and screening for cancer, as we've discussed before, and, and and really just general maintenance of health, and that includes your mental health. Absolutely. And um, Gareth, I think it's going to be interesting to see if those figures come through in vitality and see if we get people are, are, are more active and engaging more with vitality after this. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and, and maybe just to put some numbers to what Marita was referring to, we saw 85% lower mortality rate in our gold and diamond 
vitality status clients due to COVID. So, you know, the, the actual impact of the model was even stronger on COVID-related deaths than on the lifestyle-related deaths that it was intended to, to impact. We always knew that it works on non-communicable diseases and continues to work, but we had no idea that it would be such an effective defense, uh, you know, healthy lifestyle against an infectious disease like COVID. Um, so that same pattern definitely came through in the statistics. Um, and yeah, my, I mean, as you mentioned last time, we certainly, Marissa talked about the strict lockdown, but remember when we started actually coming out of it and people flocked to the streets and continued, you know, and exercised in, on mass, um, I think we have seen some of that um, kind of re retaining um, amongst a, a large part of our client base. But people have short memories. <laughs> Hopefully, we can continue to incentivize that to, you know, into the future. It's just so important, and that's something we'll continue to work hard at. It's, it's what we do. Absolutely, we still all need incentives every single day to do the right thing for some reason, uh, with whether it's our health or with our money. Uh, but thank you so much, Dr. Marita and Gareth, for joining us. And I, I hope the listeners there take heart from this. If you are struggling with long COVID, take it easy, get there, look after yourself, and uh, let's hope to a healthier and better South Africa. Thank you for listening to this episode of Seeing Life Behind the Numbers brought to you by Discovery. Tune in to our other podcast discussions around Discovery Life's 2021 claims experience to learn more about using risk protection to cover all our risks. You can also subscribe to the Discovery podcast channel, Discovery South Africa, on your favorite podcast app or visit discovery.co.za to listen to all our shows.